0: at church.
1: Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious found.
2: Talk, 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 talk. Yeah, talk, talk take, check, check two, two, one, two, check two, check, check one, two. check. check, check. This is how I find my yeah. sing with me. Just do this, this. is how I find my because...
1: Good morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. This is the day that the Lord has made. And how's the rest of that go? I will rejoice and be glad in it. One more time. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's sing this together. This is the day. Amen. Just surrender. Run into the arms of the Father. The night is finally over. Take a step into the light. Here we go. This is the Didn't you see it? I'm not Amen. Please be seated.
0: Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We'd love to welcome you. If you're a guest with us for your first time this morning, we want to especially welcome you. You'll notice there in the pew rack in front of you is a little white guest registration card. And if you can fill that out on later on in the service, if you can drop that in the offering plate, that'll be a great gift for us. We'd love to, uh, to get to connect with you by name. You can indicate on there ways that we can pray for you. And you can indicate on there to receive our newsletter. So if you'll give us your email address, we'd love to be able to send you uh, our church newsletter, which tells about all the activities, all the mission opportunities, um, all the ways you can get connected with our church. And so we'd love uh, to, to have that inf- for you to have that information. So welcome to First Baptist again. And let's take a second just to greet those around you, and then we'll continue to worship.
1: Jesus, keep me near the cross. You know this hymn. Let's sing it together. Jesus, keep me near. and second. Here we go. And sing. your turn, sing. The cross. Ladies, that's beautiful. everybody in there put in the parts in the cross. amen at calvary <laughs> years i spent in vanity and pride caring not my lord was crucified no he has showed us. What great love he has lavished upon us. I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where mercy paid for me. Amen. Where the wrath I deserved, it is gone, it has passed Your blood has hidden me. Amen. Oh, mercy, mercy, as endless as the sea. I'll sing your hallelujah. We will lift up the cup And the bread we will break Remembering your love That's right We were fallen from grace But you took all our shame And nailed it to a cross Sing it, here we go
3: As
1: the sea. Let me hear you, church, singing. Singing I your church. Sing it. Singing, sing Hallelujah. For all eternity. eternity. Sing that chorus again. Mercy. Sing it. Mercy. Mercy.
3: Amen.
1: As it I'll sing your hallelujah for all eternity. Sing this with us ever you pray with me lord we praise you for your grace for you have raised us out of the muck and mire to find a new home in your kingdom oh there will come moments in our lives when we all when all we can do is call on you we thirst for your mercy lord and I pray that your spirit, O oh God, will sustain and preserve in our hearts an ever-increasing wonder for your majesty and the depths of your saving mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Good morning. Good to see you today. Great to worship with you today. And I've been sharing a series of sermons that we're going to come to the uh, conclusion today. Before I begin that, though, I want to just encourage you to come on Wednesday night. Um, this is a great time to get involved in our Wednesday night uh, activities because we begin over the next two weeks uh, three different classes. See, the philosophy of our church is. We first want you to come in a large group gathering like this to worship. That's where most people come to church first, and we're so glad you're here. And then we want to pull you into a small group called a connection group. Uh, And for your case, if you come to the 11 o'clock service at 945, just before this, there's a group uh, in your life situation or your age. And so we want to encourage you to stop at the Welcome Center, come early next week and come to a connection group. That's where you'll get to know people. We want you to know, make relationships. You'll study the Bible, share life together with people. Then our next step in our philosophy, our programming, is to pull you into a group on Wednesday nights because that's applied Christianity. That's our discipleship ministry. For example, this Wednesday will be a class on money management. James Cartwright will lead it. It's a Ron Blue-driven class a lot of people struggle how do i apply christian principles to budgeting debt retirement investing scriptural principles to help you improve your life and get a handle on money so that begins this wednesday at 6:30 and then the following wednesday two of our core classes that is our classes we offer every year Cindy and I'll be leading new member orientation that's where you start if you're new to our church come get in on this uh, a week from wednesday introduction to christianity Basic beliefs, how to grow, introduction to our church and staff and campus. And uh, you can join there, no obligation, but it's the way if you have any questions. We ask every new member within a year after you join to go through this class. And then also beginning is ministry class. Uh, Kathy Bogle will lead about helping to find your unique shape for ministry. Hope you'll be a part of that as we begin a new area on Wednesday nights in the next two weeks. Today's the final sermon in my series on The parables of Jesus entitled, What is the Kingdom of Heaven Like? And we've learned that there are two dimensions to the kingdom of heaven. First of all is the present dimension, the already. Jesus has already come to earth. He's already set up his kingdom at his first coming in the hearts of any who will abdicate the throne of their lives and let Jesus run your life. He'll be king. He'll bless you. You can know the benefits of the kingdom in your life today, abundant and eternal life. That's the present dimension of the kingdom now being set up through the church and the preaching of the gospel. But there's a fuller dimension, a culmination the not yet the future kingdom. And when all of the promises of the king are going to come true on our earth, Well, today we're looking at two parables from Matthew 25 that are about the future dimension of the kingdom. So what's the coming of Jesus the second time going to be like? What's this future kingdom going to be like? How should we live in light of the culmination of the kingdom that is coming? That's what we're going to look at today. It's in Matthew 25. I invite you to follow in your Bible or follow on the screen with me. Matthew 25, 1, the first parable is called the parable of the ten virgins. Or if you want a contemporary name for it, you could call it the parable of the ten teenage girls. Or you could call it the parable of the ten college co-eds. It's sort of that group of people that we're looking at here. And it says, Matthew 25, 1, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Notice that many of the parables we've seen so far say the kingdom of heaven is like. They're talking about the present dimension. Now it moves to the future, future dimension of the kingdom. The not yet, the kingdom of heaven will be like. Ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, it'll help us to understand this parable to take a minute to understand what we know of the background of Jewish weddings. They're a little different from ours. There are two stages to a Jewish wedding, betrothal and then the wedding ceremony. Betrothal was the first stage where you're committed, you're pledged to one another, but you don't live together yet. You probably know about that by reading the Christmas story because Mary and Joseph were betrothed uh, to one another, and then she found out she was with child, and, and Joseph would have had to divorce her, even though they had not lived together. So a father might arrange a marriage, and then the son would, would carry out a proposal and a commitment and a pledge of life and betrothal. And then he might go away back to his father's village or back to his father's house for maybe a year, several months to a year for betrothal. During this year, he might well build a house For his new bride, maybe in his father's village or even connected to his father's house. Uh, They would build another unit, like around a central courtyard. And then, when the time of betrothal was up, when everything was ready, uh, they would set a date and the bridegroom would show up again at the bride's house or in the bride's village and uh, they would meet him. And then there would be a procession, a parade from the bride's house to the new house or to the father's house, wherever the wedding would be. That's why they have these lamps. They have lamps, and these, this word for lamps is sort of like what I would call a tiki, tiki torch. You know what a tiki torch is? So It has a handle, has a reservoir for oil at the top, has a wick or a cloth. And so these young girls would be going to carry this when the bridegroom comes and they go in the procession back to the place of the wedding ceremony. It would be at night. And so they're waiting for him uh, to come. And then when he comes and uh, gets the bride and all of the wedding party follows and they'll wind through the streets of the village because they want everybody to see them and they'll festive parade and then they'll make their way to the groom's new home or the father's house where the wedding ceremony will be. And then after the ceremony will be like a seven-day feast. It's sort of like a stay-at-home honeymoon. They don't go anywhere. They just stay there and all the wedding party stays there and eats and has a good time. If you've read the story of Samson, it tells of Samson getting married in the Old Testament and a seven-day feast followed his, his wedding there. So that's sort of the background of what it's like. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, think about it for a moment. This is just like the return of Jesus. The Father in heaven has arranged a marriage. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And the bridegroom has come, and he's proposed to us, hasn't he? And those of us who have said yes, we're betrothed to him. We're in a committed, unbreakable relationship to him, right? And we have pledged ourselves to Jesus. And now he's gone away, hasn't he? And one day he's coming back. What's he doing while he's gone away? Well, he said, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus is up in heaven. He's building a house for us. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He's getting it ready for us. And when the time is right, he's going to come back. And he's going to come back to us. And uh, we don't know when it's going to be exactly. He's going to come and, and he's going to say, I'm here and we're going to get in a parade. And a parade's going to wind up through the sky to the heavens. And we're going to be with him. And it's going to be like a party. It's going to be like a wedding reception. And forever we'll be with him. You see the parallel? You see the connection there? Okay, then let's look at this parable. Our parable is about... Ten young women who are waiting for that bridegroom to come. Maybe they're like bridesmaids or friends of the bride. And it says, uh, these ten virgins took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them, verse 2, were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps So, five are unprepared, and five are prepared for a long delay or whatever. They have not only the oil in the reservoir on their tiki torch, but they have a flask of oil to replenish that as well. It says in verse five the bridegroom was a long time coming. I'd encourage you to underline the phrase a long time in your Bible, it's important. Uh, Jesus is preparing us through this parable that there may be a delay between his first and second coming. It may be a long time. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Verse 6, At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. So we, our men's ensemble has a song they sing, The Midnight Cry. If you heard that song? It's based on this verse. It comes from this parable. That doesn't mean we believe that Jesus is going to necessarily come back at midnight. That's just a detail in this parable that indicates it was an unexpected time. They've probably been waiting since all evening. Thought he might come at 7. Didn't come at seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. It's midnight before he comes at an unexpected time. He comes, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps for seven. And the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves." The point Jesus is telling us here is that preparedness is non transferable. Preparedness is an individual matter. And there'll be no time at His return to prepare. And it does not matter if your mama is prepared, or your wife is prepared, or somebody else is prepared, are you prepared? Are you prepared for the return of Jesus Christ? Preparedness is non-transferable in verse 10 but while they were on their way to buy the oil the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready circle the word ready in your parable in your bible that's the key word in this parable the key word in this parable is that Jesus is teaching us to be ready for his return ready for the culmination of the kingdom five were not ready five were ready and they went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut are you ready for the return of Christ? You say, well, what, what does it mean to be ready? How do I get ready? Well, the Bible tells us that readiness is personal repentance of sin, personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior that results in a transformation experience so that your life is becoming like His and you're following Him. That's what it means to be ready personally for His return. Have you repented of your sin? Have you put your faith in Jesus so that you're born again, so that your life is different now than it used to be, and that you're being transformed into His image and following Him? Those who were ready went into the wedding banquet, and then the door was shut. We have seen that in the present kingdom, the door is wide open. Do you remember the first parable in the series that we looked at? It was also about a wedding banquet. There was also an invitation to come. And those who were invited didn't want to come. And so everything was ready. And they said, well, then invite anybody to come. Go out and anybody you see say, hey, there's great food, there's a party, you can come. The original guest didn't come. So everybody can come in in the present kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The door is wide open, but the kingdom of heaven will be like this. The door is shut. There's coming a time when the door will be shut and then no one can get in Later, verse 11, the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you, therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. I appreciate the series of books left behind and the movies based on them because they bring this event into present day language and imagination where it becomes real But there's one thing about them I don't appreciate. The whole series is based on the idea that Jesus comes and then there's a time when other people might come into the kingdom. And what he is saying here is clearly to us that when the kingdom comes, the door is shut. There is no second chance. These others who finally find some oil somewhere, finally get their torches and finally make it their way to the bridegroom's new home. And he comes and said, it's too late will come a time when it's too late. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when Christ is going to come back. So keep watch. That doesn't mean to be able to stay awake. All ten of them went to sleep. It means that five were ready. Are you ready whether he comes when you're asleep or when you're awake? You're going to be ushered in the kingdom through one or two events. Your only personal death or Jesus comes back. You're going to experience one of those two events in your life. And we don't know the date of either of those, do we? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. You don't know when you're going to die, do you? Anybody know your death date? Anybody want to stand up and tell us now your death date, what it's going to be? Anybody? We don't, you don't know, do you? I don't know. So he says to be ready because you do not know the day, the hour. It'll come suddenly, unexpectedly. And so the point of this parable is, are you ready? Are you ready for him to come? It's a, it's a great question of your life. Have you made preparation for him to come? there are some of us who think we're ready and we're deceived. There are a great many people in our culture in America who think they're going to heaven. And they're basing it on some baptism as an infant, or some experience they had when they were 10 years old and their life has not changed a whit since then but they think I got that took care of its way back there in the past it's just done and there's no life transformation there's no service there's no activity that is any different but they think they're ready and that's where a great many people are in America today and so because of that deception Jesus tells the second parable right after this in verse 14 again It will be like, again, still focusing on the future kingdom, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So now the background is of a master who has servants and he, before he goes on a long trip, he gives some of his money to his servants and say, invest this for me so that when I come back, it's sort of like if you were, Jesus was saying, I want you to be my retirement fund manager. And I'm going to give you this money, and 30, 40 years from now, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to come back, and I want you to have invested it so that I'll have a good retirement. Okay? That's, you got one job. Invest this money for retirement. Okay? Some, what is this that he's entrusted to us? Well, it's a variety of things. The, the latest version of the NIV calls it the parable of the bags of gold. To make it clear that this is money. And so yes, your money is one of the things that He's entrusted to you. You know where you got your money? It came from God. And He's entrusted to you and you're supposed to do something with it to glorify Him. How are you investing the money that's been entrusted to you? But it's broader than money. The original, or not the original, but the older title of this uh, parable was the parable of the talents. Uh, It was changed because that's not, we don't think of that as a unit of money. A talent was a unit of money. But it does apply in that broader sense of your your talents. He's given to you your spiritual gifts and your natural abilities and you'll give an account to Him for how you've used those. It applies to our time. Every second is a gift of God. And He has given us time. He's going to come back and see what we've done with our time. How have you spent your life? It applies ultimately to the message of the kingdom. He's entrusted to us the message of the kingdom. He's going to come back and see what we've done with the message of the kingdom. So you get the idea In this parable, Jesus is the master, we're the servants. He's entrusted this stuff to us money, time, talent, spiritual gifts, the gospel, and he's going to come back and see what we've done with it. Verse 15 To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and another, one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. So he hasn't given us all the same, has he? God's sovereign. He didn't give us all the same amount of gifts. Some of you are more talented than others, some of you are, are wealthier than others. That's his sovereign right, and now he's gone, hasn't he? Jesus is not here on earth, but he's coming back. And so it says in verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more, 100% increase. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, why don't you underline that in your Bible? Have you heard that phrase before, somewhere else before? Yeah, in the parable just before, it's what ties these two parables together. They're both about having how it's going to be in this interim before the coming of the kingdom. And when it has been a long time, how are we to live? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So Jesus is coming back, and we're going to give an account for what we've done with our time and our money and our gifts and our talents. We're going to give a reckoning to Jesus of how we spend our lives. And you may say, well, I thought... If you're a Christian, I thought all your sins were forgiven and they weren't going to be brought up or anything at Judgment Day. I believe that's true. But that doesn't mean there's no accounting of your life. I believe that since you've become a Christian, you're going to give an accounting for what have you done with your life. Now, this is this is helpful because it means that your life matters. You ever get to thinking, well, my life is, doesn't matter at all. Every day matters. Because... It's an investment God has given us, and you have the potential to do something for him. And so when he comes back and settles accounts with them. And verse 20 says, The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Verse 21, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. I invite you to circle the word faithful in your Bible. It is the key word in this parable. It is about faithfulness. The first parable, the key word was ready. The first parable is telling us that we need to be ready. Now this parable is telling us we need to be faithful in light of the coming of the kingdom. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come share your master's happiness. Here's the rewards of heaven outlined for us in this verse. The first reward of heaven will be the praise of the master. I hope I can live my life so that Jesus will say one day, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little bit. Wouldn't that be worth it all? I I mean, no matter what happens in life, No matter the failures and the troubles you encounter, wouldn't it be okay if you finish this life and Jesus stands before you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't that be worth it? Won't you live for that? And no matter what happens, to have His praise, that's the first reward of heaven. Second reward of heaven is greater reward or opportunity or authority in heaven. I don't know how this will work, but he says you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Luke's account of a similar parable, he says you've been faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of ten cities. What's that going to be like in heaven? I don't know, but there's greater responsibility, enjoyment, authority in heaven for those who've been faithful. And the third reward, the master's praise, greater enjoyment of heaven, and the third praise is, come and share your master's happiness. The master's, same word for joy. Translated other places, joy, joy or happiness. Heaven's going to be full of joy and happiness. It's Jesus' joy. You get to share. Jesus says, come share my joy. What a reward that will be in heaven. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Exact same thing. He says to him, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. Circle it again. You've been faithful. Circle it again. With a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So they didn't have equal things to bring to the Lord. They weren't given equal opportunities, spans of life, natural gifts, money. But they've been faithful in what they had been given, and the same commendation is given. And then verse 24, Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man. This is not a good way to start out with your boss. This is not a good model for how to go visit your boss tomorrow morning. Master, I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. He excuses his laziness by accusing the master it's sort of like if you had your retirement fund manager, 1975, you gave him $10,000 and uh, 40 years later you want to retire and he says, oh, I still got that $10,000 in the drawer. Here's your money back. I hope you have a great retirement with $1975 uh, here today. And the master replied, verse 26, you wicked, lazy servants, so you knew I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You could have at least opened a passbook account. It doesn't take but a few minutes to do that. You could have bought a CD or done something. It wouldn't have been a lot of work, would it? You have, I would have had some interest. And verse 28 says, So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. His reward's taken away and given to the other. For whoever has will be given more, and they'll have an abundance, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so what we think up to this point is, okay, this guy gets into heaven, but he doesn't have any rewards, right? Because he... He didn't do anything with his life, so his rewards are taken away. And then Jesus throws us a curve, as he often does in these parables, and we get to the last verse, and he says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This guy doesn't get into the kingdom at all. He goes to hell. Whoa, Jesus, what is this about? I thought heaven was a free gift of grace, just received as a gift, but this unfaithful servant doesn't get in. And what Jesus is telling us there, yes, heaven is a free gift anyone can receive by repentance and faith. But if you receive it, it will transform you because those who are ready, keyword to the first parable, will also be faithful, keyword to the second parable. And if you are not faithful, then it casts doubt on your readiness because faithfulness comes from being ready, and those who are ready will be faithful. And so Jesus is rattling the cage of these smug, complacent Jews who assumed they were going into the kingdom just because they were Jews, even though they were devouring widows' houses and had no integrity and righteousness, but they they were in. We're in like Flynn. We're Jews. We're, We're going to the kingdom. And Jesus tells these parables about readiness and faithfulness to show that readiness will bring faithfulness You see, in both of these parables, there are people who are deceived, who think they're in the kingdom, but they're not. In the first parable, there are ten bridesmaids. They all thought they were going to the wedding, but five were prepared and five were unprepared, and there was a separation between the two groups, and the group that was not in was surprised. Lord, open the door. I never knew you. And in the second parable, there are three servants. Oh, we're all three servants of the Master. We're all three. But two were faithful and one was unfaithful. And the unfaithful one did not get in. And Jesus is rattling the cage of those who are deceived and who are smug and complacent and says, are you ready? And Are you being faithful? Because readiness will produce a different quality of life. And I've got to say to you that I really believe one of the great tragedies of our culture, Christianized America with with an American heritage of Christianity, is that there are many people who are deceived and many people who think they're going to heaven and they're not. I just challenge you to ask your friends and neighbors two questions. Do you think there's a heaven? Do you think there's any afterlife? Whatever you want to call it. And do you think you're going do you think you'll be there? And you'll encounter some, a few atheists and agnostics and a few uh, materialists. I'm betting in Coffee County, I don't have any scientific basis. You try it among your work and your cl- school class, and I'm betting eight out of ten people are going to tell you, I think there's an afterlife, and I think I'm going to be there. Their basis may differ, but, but we we're... we're Eight out of ten of us probably think that. Eight out of ten are not faithful. They're not in church. They're not, they're not giving. They're not serving the Lord. But there's this thought of because of something, either my connection to some other prepared virgins, forgiveness non transferable, or because I've done something in the past that, I, that, that I'm okay and Jesus would deliberately rattle us a little bit here and to say, I want to shake you from that deception. Is there faithfulness that comes from that readiness? Everywhere I go, everybody's going to heaven. Every funeral I I preach, they all tell me, she's not suffering anymore. Jesus is saying that some people are suffering more. That's what he's saying right here. Some are. But by the time we get to funerals in Coffee County, everybody's in heaven. I'm just telling you, everybody's in heaven. And Jesus, it's not what he says. He's, his whole point of these parables is to hear the division, the separation. And you might, you might say, well, pastor, with all that talk, you're sort of, you're sort of rattling my cage and causing me to, to wonder about my preparedness a little bit. Good! That's the whole point here. This is worth doing some digging into our souls and to see, not based on my righteousness, But based upon His, have I received His righteousness by repentance and faith? And have I been transformed into a person? And what am I doing with my life now? Because the greatest goal is to hear Him say one day, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge Of many things, come and share your master's happiness. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray in these moments your spirit will draw to you through the open door of the present kingdom those whom you would call to eternal life. I pray in this time, if there's a person in this room that is not ready, then I would pray that today they would be ready and they would receive the gift of the kingdom and walk forward and commit themselves to baptism. And Lord, I would pray if there are any of us who are deceived, who are not faithful, And we at least need to look at our lives and see, is this lack of faithfulness due to a lack of readiness? That God, none of us would be those people saying, Lord, Lord, open the door. And you would say, I never knew you. Today, Lord, thank you that the kingdom is open for this moment. We don't know how long the door is going to be open. We know it's open right now. Thank you that you've given us, set before us an open door. I pray for folks to walk through the door today for your glory and for their good in the name of Jesus I pray Amen would you stand together with me if today you'd be ready for his kingdom I want to invite you to walk forward meet me or another pastor here somebody will pray with you if you need somebody to lead you in a prayer to repent of your sin put your faith in Jesus would you do that today the door is open for this moment we Need a church would invite you to come as God speaks to your heart would you come
1: Lord hear our cry Come here, love. Touch our generation, we are your people, crying out in desperation, Lord hear our cry, come generation we are your people crying out in day Hear us from heaven, 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 hear us from heaven. our generation. We are your people,
0: crying out in desperation. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. we can give our offerings now as a further act of worship to God. If you have a guest card, you can let that be your offering. If you're a guest, we thank you so much for coming, and we want to I want to invite you to stop by the Welcome Center. I'll be there on the way out. I have a small gift for first-time guests. I'd love to meet you, answering questions you have. Thank you for being here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come now to give back to you, we, uh, we stop and thank you for uh, your word that we've heard preached today. And, Lord, we uh, thank you for all the things that uh, money can't buy, our salvation and your blessings upon us. And Lord, we also uh, think of all the material ways that you bless us. And Lord, right now we come back to give to you, and I pray that you'd help us to uh, be generous as we give. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
1: Do you have the spirit of heaviness? Do you find that you're depressed? The Bible says that a way to combat that is uh, with this, with put on the garments of praise. In Isaiah 63, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 61:3 talks about putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You might say that's how we fight our battles, right there. You feel down and dumps? Praise the Lord! That's how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my battles, right? This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battles Just right here, just like this This is how I fight my battles It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, sing it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. One more time. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, because this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Sing it again. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's right. Sing it, church. This is how I fight my battles. This is the way this we do it. This is how I fight my battles. Sing it. Here we go. This is, this, is this is how I fight my battles. 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 Here we go. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh.
3: It may look like
1: I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, church, stand up. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is the way we do it.
3: This is how I
1: fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, church. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.
3: This is how I fight my battles.
1: This is how I fight my battles. battles. Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning fighting those battles, fighting those battles of depression loneliness hurt in our hearts those things that drag us down Lord we're turning them over to you by just lifting you up in praise we overcome the spirit of darkness the spirit spirit of heaviness by lifting up our voices and our hearts and praise of you putting on those garments of praise Lord this is how we fight our battles right church this is how we fight our battles let's sing it here we go this is how we fight our battles. 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 This is it. This is how we fight our battles. 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 Lord.
0: Yes. Amen, right? Praise the Lord. Thank you. Be seated for just a moment, if you will. It's uh, We have the great opportunity of meeting some folks who are coming to our church and who are confessing Christ. And first of all, this is Kyle Matin. Kyle, would you stand by me up here for a moment? Kyle comes this morning to confess his faith in Jesus Christ and come to be baptized. Amen? We rejoice with you and welcome you. Amen. Larry, uh, Larry, you can go ahead and have a seat. Larry is going to stand with him here again in a moment and uh, represent our Deacon Family Ministry Plan. And then we welcome today Kristen McDaniel. Would you stand with me for just a moment? And uh, Kristen prayed this morning. Uh, Sarah led her in a prayer to receive Jesus as her Savior. Isn't that great? Amen. Praise the Lord. You can, have, you can be seated again. And uh, if you will welcome Kyle and uh, Kristen into our church and pray for them as they grow here, would you lift your hand and say Amen amen indeed we're so glad that you're here and we'll be uh, looking forward to their baptisms in the weeks to come Megan is coming to close our service
2: thank you for joining us for worship this morning we're so glad you're here um, a few quick announcements the bo- volleyball tournament is October 12th and the deadline to register is next Sunday October 7th and you can sign up at the welcome center um, the youth fall retreat is november 2nd through 4th and the deadline and payment is next sunday as well um so let's close in prayer lord thank you so much um for your goodness um we thank you for being able to be here today and just join and worship together lord we thank you for um, the two who have come forward and professed their faith lord um, We pray that as we continue this week and go out, that we would just glorify you um, and continue to spread the gospel. It's in your heavenly name I pray. Amen.
1: This is how we fight our battles.
2: This is how we fight our
1: battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how, how we we like this, is this is how we fight, men on the back, I round, this is how we fight, men the our like this is how but we fight, I is how we